following is a presentation of the Retro Network. Strap in, movie fans. We're about to take you 30 years into the past to explore the biggest blockbuster hits of the 1990s. I'm Pete. And I'm Michael. And And this this is is Box Box Office Office 30. 30. for April 1993. I'm Pete, and as usual, I'm joined by my good buddy and co-host, Michael. How are you doing, sir? I'm good. You know, I can't believe how much rain we've been having in May. <laughs> yes, <laughs> folks, we're in May. We're behind. Yes, I'll tell them that. <laughs> when they yeah, see the data, know, we still know. <laughs> I don't understand what happened. We were going so strong for such a long time, getting two episodes out a month, mostly on time, and now... It's like I can't even get a single episode recorded before <laughs> the month is out. So this is the April episode being brought to you by the month of May. So, <laughs> yeah, it is what it is, folks. Uh, good, good, good times, good times. We apologize, as always. But thank you for just sticking with us and, and bearing bearing with us. Because this is a good one. This is, this is, this is actually a good yeah, one. Yeah, I month. think this is going to get better and better as the months go here now. Because I think this is where, like... This the, the April showers are bringing the May flowers of movies, mm-hmm. as it were. So I think we've got some good stuff coming down the pike here in the next few months. Uh, but that said, let's let's dive right into it with our new and new to you. All right, Michael, what do you got for us this month? So I only have two of note. Um, did I mention last month that I saw Top Gun Maverick? Finally, No, I don't think you did. Did you finally see it? I did finally see it. Uh, I really enjoyed it. I feel like there was, even though it's a fairly long movie, um, there's stuff that they could have spent more time on. They left certain things out. Um, my biggest complaint about the movie in particular was, I wish they had had a flashback to how Jennifer Connelly's character came into the picture and met Maverick because we just 
we're just told that they dated at one point or whatever. No, that's and, a recast. <laughs> She's she is the woman from the first movie. No, they have a different name. Her. They have a different name. No, no, it's definitely her. <laughs> is it real? No. Yeah, well, because like it's one of these unfortunate cases, and and I don't say this to sound gross, but I kind of have to when I say it. The woman from the original movie, like McGillis, like not like camera ready anymore. Mm. Um, and so they decided they needed to recast. So yeah, no, she's meant to be the woman from the first movie and they just like broke up like after I, a period of time. I, I, I want to beg to differ because her name in the movie is Penny Benjamin. Hold that thought. And then I'll go to Top Gun. I, I looked this up and I thought, was it a recast? And, um, Kelly McGillis's name was Charlie. It's not a recast. It's a different huh. character. I thought I read something that specifically said that they recast, but yeah, maybe not. I don't know. Whatever. I'm no Top Gun expert. <laughs> but yeah, you know, overall, it was it was fine. I mean, I, I really liked it. It had a lot of good stuff in it. Uh, it does feel a lot of rehashing of the first movie. Yeah. Um, I, I really do like Miles Teller, and it's amazing with that mustache, how much he looks just like Anthony Edwards. It's so weird. Um, but. I really enjoyed that movie a lot. Uh, that one was was fun. I saw it on Amazon Prime. And uh, my other movie I saw, as a movie I saw in the theaters, and it is Dynamite. It is John Wick 4. <laughs> I should have been able to guess that ahead of time. <laughs> it was fantastic. Fantastic. I could watch I that am, for all day. I have a need to get to the theater with no time to do so, so I'm probably going to have to miss a couple things in a row here. But, um, it, like, so, like, you know, John Wick movies, I like them a lot. I felt like the third one was the weakest one for me. So, like, where does this stand for you, like, in oh, the batch? Man, this is... This, it goes in a very different direction than three. Like, three, it just felt like for two hours, you just saw gunfire nonstop. And just <laughs> this... It takes its time. It breathes a little bit here and there. It's a long movie. It's like two hours and 40 minutes long. But it really, I would say, if I had to rank them, one would be the best. This would be number two, then two, then three in my rankings. How do you feel Keanu's holding up? Because I'll tell you, between like the Bill and Ted movie that they did, like the sequel, mm -hmm. and then like I was just listening to him on a podcast the other day. He sounds tired lately. I don't know what it is, you know, <laughs> like, like he's even a couple of years ago, like when he was doing all the press for um, like the cyberpunk game that that he was sort of featured mm -hmm. in, you know, he, he was kind of like his normal energetic self. And then I felt like in like Bill and Ted, what, what's the name of that? Bill and Ted. Face the music. Face the music. Thank you. Like. He seemed like he was really checked out in that movie, which was kind of part of the reason I I didn't dig it as much. Like he like he seemed like really low energy. And then this podcast I was listening to the other day, he seemed really low energy. And I'm just like, what's going on with Keanu? <laughs> Honestly, he put his all in this movie. Like it, I I would be exhausted too if I was maybe, filming this maybe movie. He's tired from from all the uh, <laughs> all the hard work on the John Wick movies. <laughs> there is a scene where it's a twenty. It's got to be at least 20 to 25 minutes long of him trying to get up a staircase in Italy, just fighting and killing <laughs> hundreds of guys. I, I was like, I, I was tired watching it. It was like, it was brutal. Um, 
Is but Star he, Staircase is going to be the new hallway fights now? Do you uh, think? Oh, I think so. Oh, I think so. <laughs> um, and on top of that, like, the, there's like another guy in the movie who's like a, a blind assassin, and he's phenomenal. I'd love to see an entire spinoff movie just about him. He's so interesting. Uh, It'd be it, great if that spinoff started with him like shooting the wrong guy because he didn't see who he was. <laughs> Giant. But like they, ex- they explain how he can tell where, where people are and stuff like that. It's, it's like really neat. Uh, yeah, less superpowery, but yeah, in a way. Um, what I find it most interesting about the movie is like Keanu Reeves is in almost every scene of the movie, but he only says about two hundred words in the whole. Movie. Nice. <laughs> it just it's all reactionary and I things mean, that he does. Been character all along, he sort of is like a stoic. You know, get things done, not you know, have to talk about it a lot, sort of character. So that's cool. Yeah, but I, I really liked it. I, I dug it, and it was it was well worth the two hours and forty minutes. You don't. You, oh, that's long. Yeah, it's long. It's real long. And they take their like I said, they they let scenes breathe. They have really long shots at times. Uh, it's it's relentless though. Like it's pretty good. So I really enjoyed it. So what are your new and new to you? So I'm going to start something off here with what has been a universally panned movie, but I saw it on Netflix and I had an afternoon. I said, you know what? I'm going for it. I saw Morbius. (laughs) And I got to say. It's not great, (laughs) but it's not as awful as people really make it out to be. Like, it's definitely cheesy. It's definitely like, I mean, if you saw Venom, it it doesn't feel terribly far off from that either. Like, it's like, it's cool that they've got the character on screen. They're not really doing like the greatest possible job, but it's also passable is is sort of my take on it. Um, But I could see why a lot of people, you know, really trashed it the way they did. And it's definitely like, I would rank it lower than Venom. So mm-hmm. like, you know, that already probably sets a low bar for people, you know. Um, but I I'd be curious to see where they're going with this. What I would say is that I've been dying to talk to you about it because if there's any redeeming quality or factor to be found in the Morbius movie, it's in its post-credit scene. Or where Keaton shows up. It features a certain guy that you tend to like from uh, Batman 89. Michael Keaton, um, yes. <laughs> I mean, they, they spoil it in the trailer, for God's sakes. Which is kind of, yeah, he shows up uh, in the trailer. Wah, wah. Well, in that case, maybe you've already seen it. But like, otherwise, I'd say to you, like, just go seek out. Don't bother watching the movie on the account of it, but go seek out um, the post credit scene. Because it was kind of a, a cool... Uh, I think they had two post credit scenes that featured um, the Vulture and sort of him talking about, you know... What, 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 here's what we should do is kind of thing you know so it was at least cool seeing that and uh, it kind of when you pair that up with like wh- what we know currently about the mcu and like where they left off with venom you know blipping in you know for a mm-hmm. moment and now like these two coming over and everything it's like oh you know it might be that they're like gonna start doing something interesting with that although the interesting thing and this is maybe a spoiler alert if you haven't seen that post credit scene, is they made it out like Vulture had left the MCU universe. And it's in another universe. And was in like the, like the Venom-verse, yeah. essentially. So I almost wonder if we're going to get a different Spider-Man in that universe. Could that be Toby? Could that be Andrew Garfield? You know, the, like The rumor is that, that Andrew Garfield is going to have a movie in an, in an alternate universe 
Sinister Six kind of situation. Well, I could see it for him. Well, I mean, it, essentially, that's what they are like teasing at the tail end of of the Morbius thing. So I could see that being Andrew Garfield popping up in that and and moving forward with it. And it might be that they're doing that because they had such a great, you know, reception to those characters, you mm-hmm. know, back again in the other one. So it'd be interesting to see. Um, past that, uh, I saw a man called Otto, um, with, uh, my boy, Tom Hanks, no surprise to anybody that I watched that. I got on an airplane for a, uh, four hour flight and I said, what am I going to watch? And that was like the first thing I was like, yep, that's what I'm watching. <laughs> so, uh, it was really good. Um, I've never seen the, the like movie that that was like based off of a man called Ove, um, which I also hear is very good, but um, it's like grumpy Tom Hanks, and it's wonderful. <laughs> you know, it's it has a real heart to the story. It's got some real ter- tearjerker moments. Um, so uh, it feels like if I had to cross two movies over something along the lines of like grumpy old men meets Shawshank Redemption meets Up, uh, and I realize that is three movies, not two movies, but it just occurred to me I should sort of throw Shawshank a little bit in there. Maybe has kind of a, a feeling of that somewhat too. Um, I also, on the flight back, saw Central Intelligence. Um, that was actually pretty darn good. You know, I was like... Is it, is it the one with uh, The Rock and Kevin Hart? Kevin Hart? Yeah, so I was I was like, you know what? I just need to veg on this flight back. So I watched that, and I watched the original Guardians of the Galaxy, which is like one of these movies I can watch whenever. Um, and uh, it was good. It was It was surprisingly better than I thought it was going to be based largely on the fact that it's like one of the weirdest characters the rock has ever played mm-hmm. <laughs> and like given like you get like some insight later into the movie that some of it is an act but some of it isn't and like it, it's it's they have good chemistry the two of them i'll give them that it, it yeah. was a really fun um pairing for the two of them and it's a little bit different than what you might expect from this type of movie so that, that was kind of a, a fun thing mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to skip one and I'm going to come back to it. Uh, I saw the new Glass Onion movie, or new to me at least, because I think that came out like February or something. Yeah, I saw it. I saw that movie too. Yeah, uh, or uh, Knives Out Glass Onion, I should say. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I enjoyed it. You know, I had seen um, a review from like Red Letter Media that was kind of panning it. And I don't know. I thought it was actually pretty decent. Um, I, I, I think I've said it before in this podcast. I feel like Ryan Johnson shines in kind of creating these like quirky characters and sets of characters you know like i you and i a billion years ago saw brick i think was the first movie of his that oh, i ever caught that movie's saw a, that in an indie theater or something yeah, you know that movie's um, incredible yes but like you know just keep him away from star wars i think that's the takeaway yeah I don't, I don't think he's like franchise i think he or maybe his own franchise but i don't think he's good for the franchise but it, it's fun like the characters that he he created and put into this so that was that was kind of neat um on the other end of the new to me spectrum i saw a murder mystery pulf one and two <laughs> like Angie and i kind of like marathoned those um i had started it myself and i got like 20 minutes in and then she was interested so i started over and watched it with her and then the very next night, we watched the second one. Um, those are both um, with Adam Sandler and Jennifer Aniston. And I got to say, they were a ton of fun. Um, Adam Sandler's sort of having a real renaissance with uh, this Netflix contract of movies that he's been doing over the past few years. Um, because I felt like he had some kind of dingers like in the middle, you know, uh, Jack and Jill and, and, and things like that. But the early um, offs, if you will. <laughs> yeah. But like, I'm glad that he's paired up with like Jennifer Aniston again, because, um, they were together in that movie. Um, 
shoot, what was the name of it? Where like them and their family like traveled to Africa. Uh, I'm blanking on it, but they had good chemistry in that, mm. and they have really good chemistry in the two of these. Like, you know, the the premise is maybe slightly far fetched, as you might expect from any kind of Adam Sandler movie, but mm. um, they're really fun. Like, I would equate them to like the like the uh, Knives Out sort of movies. Like, they they kind of have like a mm. like a like a like a levity to them as yeah. they're as they're progressing. You know, um, so that was a ton of fun. But uh, the last movie I want to mention because it's gonna bleed right over into sort of my uh, little bit of box office talk um for our our take right now is i saw the super mario brothers movie mm-hmm. um i take it you haven't seen this yet <laughs> i i want to but like it's just having a time to get there i hear you yeah and, and i heard talks, i heard uh, mixed reviews on it so i'm like so here's the thing right so i talked to our buddy luke into going and seeing it and actually believe it or not the whole fam damley went to see this one which is like amazing because kara um, and she's getting older now. Um, she's six now, but like she's sort of universally not wanted to go to movies in the movie theater. Um, mm-hmm. Like she is always worried she's going to be afraid of them and like things like that. So she's kind of like, it's like, oh, you know, Zoe and I are going to go see Puss in Boots. Do you want to come with us? No, no, that looks scary. You know, like whatever. Mm-hmm. You know, so she's had that for a string of movies. So uh, it was fun that everybody got to come for this one for once. And the kids loved it, um, which is not surprising. But I also thought it was a lot of fun. Um, here's what I'll say about this movie. I think it has a generic and hyper simplistic plot. So don't go looking for anything terribly deep, you know, like you're getting like a slightly more fleshed out version of like a Mario game, which is like the princess needs help. Bowser's acting up. Mario's going to jump in and save the day. (laughs) I mean, like that's Mario brothers. That's what Mario brothers has always been. It's not going to be any different than that. So um, don't go in expecting like some like deep, deep Citizen Kane sort of thing coming out of this. Um, that said, Citizen Luigi. <laughs> yes, exactly. That said, I got to give them credit. They pay a lot of homage to like kind of Mario throughout the ages. They sort of do winks and nods at the original games they do winks and nods at like the Super Mario Brothers Super Show. They do winks and nods at like obviously like the newer games that have happened in more recent years. They do like Mario Kart. The only thing that was and, it, and even slightly shows up is is Smash Brothers. And I'm like, I think the sequel to this is going to be Smash Brothers. If you if you ask me, because it just seemed to be where it was trending to, given like a bunch of the other um, references and things they were doing in it. But I got to give them uh, the characters were charming. Um, you know, a, a lot of people were very worried off the bat about Chris Pratt's portrayal of Mario in like the first trailers. I'll say it's not the stock voice that you're used to listening to, but it also blends in and goes away in like a minute. Like it's actually mm-hmm. better than it comes off in the trailers. And for, you know, whatever fans there are out there of Luigi and like, you know, Luigi's Mansion or things like that, where he has a chance to talk you know not the biggest difference i guess between like when it jumps over to charlie day who has like a very kind of iconically high annoying sort of voice he does a really good job with luigi i thought he was fun the major weak point for me in the voices was donkey kong as played by seth rogan because it's just seth rogan doing seth rogan as per usual now again another character that i don't know there's been a ton of like previous voicing for like even in the donkey kong games i think they were like text based they weren't like audio i could be wrong about that so somebody could point me out if i'm wrong but 
you know, I, I just wish they had gotten somebody else for him because it's just like, like, like him like doing Batista? like, oh, Mario, you suck. <laughs> You're like doing like his normal Seth Rogen thing, you know? So it just like anybody else kind of probably would have been fine and better in that part. Um, especially because they did seem to have the voice actors for some of the kind of other characters. Um, Anya Taylor-Joy was good as Peach, although funny enough, in a 2023 movie, they have this like female character that comes out and like proves her mettle and how awesome she is. And then as soon as she does that, forgets all about it and is like, I got to train Mario, who's utterly useless. And then when he's trained, he'll be the one that's going to save us all. So I wish Peach had more to do. (laughs) It's the sad thing to say. Um, They kind of like, you know, they kind of allude to the fact that she got sucked into the Mushroom Kingdom when she was young and she's lived there all her life and she's trained and she's awesome and she can fight. And then she kind of doesn't. <laughs> so yeah. it's it's sort of annoying. Uh, and the creme de la creme of this movie, which comes as no surprise if you've been on the internet in the past few weeks, is Bowser, as played by Jack Black, is incredible. <laughs> <laughs> it's such a fun portrayal of the character. Um, and he's got the Peaches song, which everybody is like obsessed with at the moment. My daughter has been singing it, even though there's only like three words in the whole song. <laughs> But she was very obsessed with it after we got home. So uh, I think I saw something that there's like a bizarre possibility that because of the hype surrounding it, that it could actually make it as an Oscar nomination, um, which would be quite something else, you know? <laughs> What's funny is, you know, we everyone thought about that with the, uh, we don't talk about Bruno from uh, Encanto, but they didn't nominate that song. They nominated a different song from the same movie, which is so strange in, you know, in a way. No, no, no. It's the other way around. They did nominate um, that. No. They thought it was going to be... Um, uh, Dos Oruguitas uh, was the song that, that Lin-Manuel Miranda was hoping would be the one that took off. But well, then we, we don't care about, or we don't talk about Bruno t- got so huge that like that became kind of like a big thing. So yeah, but like, that wasn't know, the one that was nominated though. Really? No, it was, they sung it at the, at the award show, but it wasn't the one that was nominated, which is so strange. Huh. Now, I got to ask you a totally unrelated, but Mario question. Sure. What's the difference between Princess Peach and Princess Toadstool? <laughs> um, you're going to really uh, dig into my my uh, trying to remember backlog of Mario stuff here. So I believe it's just an alt name for Peach. There is a Princess Daisy who is different than Peach. She has red hair and a yellow dress. Um, and the way you tend to see them paired up is Mario is with Peach and Luigi is with Daisy. Mm-hmm. You'll also remember, and this is going to be relevant in, um, uh, I think, either this or next month's, uh, or this month's, this month's uh, movies as we get to our list, that Daisy was the name of the princess in the 90s Super Mario movie with Bob Hoskins and um, John yeah. Um So there are two princesses. Um, I believe Toadstool is an, like an alternative name for her just like bowser is also called king koopa Mm -hmm. um i think it's just like a weird alt history name i don't know quite why i guess just because she's the princess of the toadstool kingdom um but (laughs) that's 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 what i can do for you on that we got a totally new podcast now guys (laughs) yes so to bring it back around to our podcast because this is why i want to leave mario for last mario is doing insane at the box office have you heard about this no i haven't it is Huge. <laughs> it is now currently the number one grossing worldwide movie, I think, 
maybe, maybe I, I gotta double check that uh because I'm, I'm not sure where avatar stacks up against it but i think for the year um let me see here because i'm looking at the list but for some reason avatar is not showing up in it maybe they were just like avatar has transcended this list <laughs> uh yeah i don't know let's see 23 yeah no uh, according to what I'm seeing on box office mojo. So hold them accountable. If they're wrong, super Mario brothers movie is now the number one ranked movie this year. It's it's surpassed avatar, the way of water. Wow. Um, the current numbers are 490, 851,000 domestic mm-hmm. 535,525 international for a worldwide gross of 1 billion 26,376,000. So wow. knock my socks off that, that that movie has done that well. I mean, I knew it would do well, particularly in foreign markets, you know, and, and pretty fast. That's pretty fast. fast to do that. It like is. it really is, you know, end game um, a while to get that far, especially to dethrone avatar, which has kind of like been like the reigning king of the hill since that mm-hmm. came out. Um, yeah, it's been in release for three weeks now, and it's it's done that number. So, uh, as you see, a lot of it's happening internationally. But yeah. that, just for comparison's sake, just to look at the two um, on the domestic end of things, again, Super Mario Brothers four hundred ninety, or I'll just round it up four hundred ninety one million um, domestic for Avatar two eighty three. Wow! So it's not even you know, getting close <laughs> on the domestic end um, to the Mario Brothers movie. And given, you know, a lot more kids will be going to see that than will yeah. um, Avatar. But that's still a big, big number, you know. <laughs> so I thought that was pretty impressive. That also um, puts it at, I believe, the 10th highest or the 10th animated film to ever cross 1 billion worldwide and the 10th biggest animated film of all time globally. Wow. Um, so uh, we'll see, because again, that's at its third week mark. It'll keep climbing that list and it could possibly dethrone other um, big animated franchise movies in the coming weeks here. So we'll keep an eye on it for uh, for next month. Uh, but I, I was blown away that it was doing that that big a box office. So good on you. <laughs> All right. Well, that said, let's take a look at our box office 30 segment for April 1993. Welcome to April 93. Um, I'm just going to dive right into it here this month. Uh, for number one, our for April is Indecent Proposal with an April gross of $65.7 million. In the number two spot is Cop and a Half with $21.5 million. And in the number three spot is Like Water for Chocolate with $21 million in earnings. And I think you maybe said to me last episode, because I was putting these numbers in and I had a vague recollection that you were telling me that this was something that Miramax had re-released. Yeah, it was an Oscar movie because March was the Oscars or whatever, and they re-released it and some of that. Yeah, because it's, um, yeah, that's why. Yeah, it was sort of like shockingly high on the list given like what some of the other movies you know below but, it were. You know, what's so, great, what's crazy is look at the difference between, and especially do you think it was like an Italian or Spanish language movie too? It's Italian, yeah, yeah. 
Uh, oh no, that's Chocolat. The Water for Chocolate, I think, is a Johnny Depp movie. Chocolat was so chuck along and chock a boring. <laughs> I want my chock of money back. Um, oh. Old school SNL dig right there. What I find so funny is like Indecent Proposal is 65 million, and the next closest is Cop and Half at almost, not, not even 22 million. That's yeah. a. $43 million difference. That's crazy. Yeah, there's, there were some uh, grown-ups, not, not kids like you or I, but there were some grown-ups like, ooh, let's go see that scandalous movie, you know? <laughs> yes. Um, well, thanks as usual to everyone who voted in our listener poll, who which was four of you this time. Ouch. <laughs> that could also be our fault. Well. For this. Uh, either they've abandoned us or, or something, but I don't know. Hopefully we'll get a better uh, a better poll out of uh, this next month. But uh, it, it makes the breakdown here a little easy, at least. Uh, the results are as follows. Cop and a half got 0% of the four votes. <laughs> so nobody wanted to see that. Um, one person wanted to see Indecent Proposal at 25%, and two people wanted to see the sandlot which gives it three. 75 or three percent make- three people excuse me yes wanted to the mathematics wanted to see uh, the sandlot <laughs> down in this thing yeah. <laughs> we're recording this during the day folks this is not even a late night uh, recording no yeah <laughs> oh goodness gracious here we go but uh yeah well listen you know it could be our fault also for just getting these things out late and some of that i actually recently deleted my twitter so i won't even be casting votes anymore well that's so the thing i, I- I honestly think it could be in part because I've I've seen like a not a not a one for one, but a like to like, you know, transformation with Twitter over the past few months here. And I, I'm using it a lot less, you know, so like I'm I'm not posting even stuff for the show that I probably should be posting. But um yeah, there's definitely been less people active over there. I feel like people are kind of flooding either back over to Instagram or Snapchat mm-hmm. or just other locations. So yes. I don't know. We'll see. Maybe at some point I need to come up with a better polling uh, system or you and I just go back to picking movies if the if the polls <laughs> stay low. But I don't know. It's like sometimes we have like four people and the very next month we get like 90. I think it's really dependent on, uh, on, the movie. on our, our boys over at the uh, Retro Network sharing it out there. <laughs> they have their much better following than we do. Yeah. Um, so let's take a look at the list here. So, uh, you know, Indecent Proposal, it, we might as well jump you know, in on that one for April, you know, we're talking like at box office, it does well. Have you seen this movie? I don't think I've seen this movie. To really? be honest with you. I know it, I know it, but I have not, I don't think I've ever sat down and been like, you know what I need to watch? <laughs> Honestly, I have seen, and I'll admit little more than two thirds of it, like chunks here and there. I miss pieces, but like, I, I know 90% of the movie, you know, I've seen it probably about two or three times, but I never see the whole thing. Yeah. <laughs> I never understand how they get to Vegas. I never understand like after the, there's a window of time where after they get the money and they get back home, there's a whole like, like section of pieces that I'm just like foggy on, but I have seen the movie probably about two or three times, I'd say. Just not all the well, way. Well, two or three por- partial times. <laughs> yeah. I always land on the same scenes, which is the weirdest part. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like I said, like I just wasn't like seeking this one out. Uh, it might be a m- way better movie than I'm giving it credit for, and I should have seen it. But like, there was just never a time in my life where I was like, you know what, I gotta go to Blockbuster and grab, or like, you know, see if I can find streaming. So this month was the month for that, friends, because I'm not even gonna put it on the vote next month. <laughs> So I don't know. I might never see this movie and I'll have to live with that. 
how about Cop and a Half? Was this a movie that uh, oh, caught I your saw, attention? I saw Cop and a Half in the theater. I loved this oh, movie. Nice. I saw it VHS later. Oh. Yeah, and it's you know it's a charming movie. It's fun. <laughs> you know what it is? It's in the same vein as like uh, you know Turner and a Hooch and yes. K Nine, but instead of a dog, it's a kid. <laughs> yes, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Same exact I think, premise. I think there was a trend for not only that like cop movies with like an unlikely sidekick, but then there was also like adult men having to deal with child you know movies that mm-hmm. were also in that you know same like span of time and i i think this is like the perfect blend of of, of those both. two sub genres making it like mm-hmm. a sub sub genre <laughs> unto itself um there's a movie here in the number four spot i i think this was a disney movie even you know over we always question that but i think this was in fact a disney movie the adventures of huck finn now, I think I saw this on VHS at some point. I saw it on VHS. It's if, an Elijah Wood movie. Okay, yeah. all right. Yeah, I was going to say, like, I felt like he might have been the one that was in it. Um, I, I don't remember the, the movie so well, but, I mean, you know, I was forced repeatedly, like, in, like, middle and high school to, like, get into all the uh, Huck Finn and Tom Sawyer books. So <laughs> I, I know the stories, which are, I remember. you know, I remember the America commercials. Also hyper problematic. <laughs> I remember the commercials more than the actual movie. Like just the images of the commercials in my head. But like, yeah, yeah, I could see. If you asked me a scene of the movie, I couldn't tell you. I couldn't remember. Now the number five spot is our featured movie of the month, The Sandlot. Yeah, which has a. We'll skip that and we'll come yeah, back. We'll but it. It, <laughs> <laughs> uh, so number nine on the list then is The Crush. Now, is this this Alicia Silverstone movie? Yeah, this is that Alicia I Silverstone. I saw this. This is another like WB afternoon, like on a Sunday movie <laughs> that I saw. And I got to tell you, because probably by the age that I saw this, which might not have been like in 93, let's say it was like even in 94 or 95. <laughs> I don't know how many thrillers, like especially psychological thrillers I had seen or was watching to, you know, up until that point. This was like a freaky movie to me. I remember being like, whoa, this is messed up. Like she's really torturing this guy. This is crazy. Um, and I guess it's a pretty early on movie for her. Like, I wonder how old she would have been. In uh, well, she, well, she's playing 14. So I assume she's probably like, either 16 or 18 at the time. Yeah, because she's not terribly different age than us, I don't think. Like, like Clueless was... Oh, she's older than us. She's, she's Yeah, she be... has to be now to think about it, because Clueless was, like, around when I was in sixth grade, and she would have been, like, a bit older. Than, yeah, all right, she's a little older than I think. Um, yeah, kind of a crazy movie. <laughs> yes, I haven't thought about that in years. <laughs> yeah, she's... Uh, she's seven years older than us, so she's, you know... 48 or so now. Um, gotcha. I'll let next... you take number 11 because I'm sure this is a favorite of yours somehow. <laughs> number 11 is Boiling Point with Wesley Snipes. A pair of <laughs> sociopath killers take on the police and the mob in order to make one last big score. <laughs> I definitely saw this on VHS. I never, I didn't see this in theaters. Um, I don't remember much about it, but it's got a look at this cast. Wesley Snipes, Dennis Hopper, Vigo Mortensen. Wow, like it's, it's got a pretty cool cast. Um, but I forget if if Wesley Snipes was the cop or if he was the killer. I can't remember. But but I kind of want to rewatch it now. I want to watch. 
I was like, you need to get a, uh, if you ever get a tattoo, you need to get like a Wesley Snipes tattoo, I think. <laughs> it's hard though. It's like Bruce Willis is up there too. There's, there's a couple of a couple of high rankers up there. What you do is like one of those like shoulder to shoulder in the middle of your back, like just gigantic tattoos. You could just have like the pantheon of like all those. those I'll like, do my own Mount Rushmore. Yeah. <laughs> it'll be like, it'll be Wesley Snipes, Bruce Willis, Michael Keaton, and, and Clint Eastwood on my back, like my own. Mount Rushmore. <laughs> I'll pay for that tattoo if you get it. <laughs> That's hilarious. Oh, so the next one up is number 12 is Benny and June, which is a uh, Johnny Depp movie. Um, I remember the music video, um, 500 Miles, much more than the actual movie. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Yeah, I, I only vaguely recollect this one. Um when I, I, wake up, I remember being a thing more than and I know I'm gonna be. what the thing was. <laughs> I'm going to be the man who wakes up next to you. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> oh, All right, Lord. so next on down on the list here, uh, number 17 is Who's the Man? And uh, this says the two worst barbers in Harlem become cops while a real estate developer forces people out of Harlem. I don't remember this movie. <laughs> to be I, perfectly honest with you, I knew uh, this was like Doctor Dre, Ice T, Dennis Leary. It's got people in it, you know. It's, it's it's not Doctor Dre like of Death Row Records. This is the other Doctor Dre and Ed Lover. Um, yeah, there's two Doctor Dre's. It's complicated, but um, I do remember this movie. I never saw it, but I do remember like commercials for this movie as well. <laughs> so, nice. There you go. Um, Next, the number 18 is Jack the Bear. <laughs> uh, Danny DeVito is John Leary, a professional clown whose wife, whose wife's death in a car accident has left him to care for his two young boys. How could it be called Jack the Bear? <laughs> I, I, really hope, I really hope that the accident happened in a clown car. <laughs> <laughs> That would be incredible. I don't know this one at all. Okay, go for the next one. Uh, next on the list is a movie called Indian Summer. Uh, seven friends reunite for a long, week-long reunion at summer camp in Ontario they used to attend as children, which is now threatened with being closed down. Um, I don't know. <laughs> I mean, to be honest with you, there's like a middle section of this list here, and I'm trying to think if there's anything even at the bottom of this list that I really recognize. Yes, there um, is. You know, I I mean, there's a few that seem like they should sound familiar. I'll tell you what, I'll run through the list and you'll see if any of these pop to you and we'll stop if they do. So past sure. that is The Dark Half, This Boy's Life. This Boy's Life, Life is a uh, Leonardo DiCaprio movie. Okay, uh, you're right. So there you go. Uh, um, Sidekicks. Side oh, this is a... Jonathan Brandis, Chuck Norris movie. I you was didn't say it looks like Chuck Norris on the cover there. You, you didn't see this one. Oh, this is. I might have. Let's see. A bullied teen who fantasizes about being Chuck Norris's sidekick trains in martial arts to fulfill his dreams. So I guess he's actually just like imagining training with Chuck Norris. Is, is how this movie goes. Yes, but the end of the movie is Chuck Norris is the judge of the nice. martial arts tournament. <laughs> that's where you ever see that meme of Chuck Norris. Thumbs up? The Is thumbs that up? that's from? <laughs> yes. Amazing. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> that's great. Um, I mean, that's just making me think of like, wasn't there like a Chuck Norris animated show for a while? I'm sure there was. There had to have been at some point. Everybody had an animated show. I was like show. Walker, Texas Ranger, personally. 
the next one, number 33, is Wide Sargasso Sea. It says it's a new line cinema movie, but it could might as well be a Miramax movie for all I know. Yeah, no, even the description, I'm not even going to bother reading it, is very Miramax sounding. We've got uh, Bodies Rest in Motion, nope. Three of Hearts. These nope. are a lot of new line movies. Splitting Hairs, Airs, that's like, <laughs> I see what they did there. Bound by Honor, The Night We Never Met, No Place to Hide, Map of the Human Heart, The Story of Quijou, American Friends, and The Pickle. And because The Pickle is all the way down at number 46, folks, with a measly 9,126 in 40 theaters, I'm going to I'm gonna read this one off. Look at how you. long the description is. <laughs> yeah, look at this description. Look what I... Look what I signed myself up for. <laughs> Buckle up, folks. Harry Stone, Danny Aiello, a former top-notch director, has had three disastrous movies in a row. Facing dismissal from the top perch of Hollywood and financial ruin from back taxes, he is forced to take on a very commercial and, he believes, ridiculous movie. Sounds like this movie. Now, as he faces the film's release and he believes another total flop, which will complete his ruin, he meets up with his son and daughter and his former wives, which includes Diane Cannon, to examine his life and his future. The film examines the turmoil a movie director goes through with a film release. His agent, Jerry Stiller, assures him that he has a hit while those around him wince, as does the audience. There's a lot of bracketed sentiment in this in this, this thing at the thought of the movie within the movie. The movie is The Pickle, a supposedly social satire where a bunch of kids from Kansas take vegetables into space via a super <laughs> cucumber and land on an Earth-like planet where everyone lives only on beef and die at age 49. As shown in the excerpts of the film, Little Richard stars as the president of the planet who has six months to live. Ali Sheedy heads up the Kansas contingent, and Griffin Dunn is the president's aide who falls in love with Sheedy. <gasps> like, Jesus Christ. Who wrote so, that? <laughs> I felt what, like I just saw the movie. <laughs> why isn't The Pickle the actual movie? Why is this the making of The Pickle is the movie? Yeah, like, no, like, yeah, yeah. What a, what a weird, like, weird movie. <laughs> what is the budget of this movie for the fact that it, like, what is the budget? <laughs> I gotta find the budget. What is the, the budget? Wow! The, the, oh my goodness, that's terrifying. That's terrifying. Anyway, okay. Well, that's our list for the uh, the box office. Uh, you know, list of our movies for for that month for April. <laughs> I think it stupefied us both. To be honest, I had a stroke from reading that bio um well let's move on to much better things then with our review of the sandlot Okay, The Sandlot is a 1993 coming-of-age sports comedy film directed by David Mickey Evans, who co-wrote the screenplay with Robert Gunter. I'm going to put in a little extra note here, too, that this um, is largely based on David Evans' actual uh, life growing up as a kid. Um, it's sort of based I, on several true I was going to say that. Life. I was going to say that because, like, he wrote it, he directed it. I'm like, this has got to be some sort of, you know, 
variation of a true story that he wrote. I, yeah, I knew let me it. get through the intro here, and I'll, I'll bring it full circle back to why why it, where it comes from in his childhood. So the movie stars Tom Geary as Scotty Smalls, Mike Vitar as Benjamin Benny Rodriguez, and Patrick Rera, Chauncey Leopardi, and Marty York as members of the Sandlot baseball team. The film also features Karen Allen, James Earl Jones, and Dennis Leary in supporting roles. The Sandlot opened to $5 million and grossed over $32 million at the box office against its $7 million budget, becoming a modest commercial success. However, the film has become a beloved cult classic over the years with a large and devoted fan base. I did forget to write down the number here, but I somehow found that it had something like another 97, something like that, million dollars wow. in sales on VHS and DVD. Uh, the movie received generally positive reviews from critics upon its release, with many praising its nostalgic and heartfelt portrayal of childhood and its universal themes. The performances of its young actors were also widely praised, as was the film's cinematography and direction. So, uh, before we dive into reviewing this sucker, here's a little full circle on on David Evans's um, writing and and you know where he comes up with this um, story. And so, uh, a large bulk of the plot comes from the fact that where he grew up, he was friends with a group of kids, not dislike the group in this, and he wanted to one day play baseball with them on a sandlot baseball field, and he brought his younger brother with them, and the other kids didn't want the younger brother playing with him. They said he was too young, whatever, so they wouldn't let him play. And at one point, they knocked a baseball, as it does in this movie, over a, like a brick wall, and the younger brother, wanting to like impress on them that like he could be helpful and useful jumped over the wall to go get the ball. And on the other side was a big dog. And unlike this movie where they spend, you know, the rest of the movie, like creating like fun contraptions and trying to like outwit the dog to get the ball back. And, you know, it wasn't like a signed baseball or anything like that. Um, he got bitten by the dog. In real life. <laughs> so not nearly as fun an ending as saving the dog from the knocked over fence and getting like a bunch of like licks on the face. But the real life dog's name was Hercules. Oh, there you um, go. So that's where the name comes from in this movie uh, as well. Um, and at least, you know, the basis for quite a bit of the plot. Um, and then essentially a lot of the characters and their portrayals um, which got him into a little bit of trouble are essentially based off of his friends growing up when playing baseball with them. Um, the character of, um, why am I thinking of his name wrong? Uh, uh, Squints, Squints, uh, the kid with the big uh, black glasses. Um, uh, I think his name in the movie is something like Mike Polydorus. And he had a friend in real life named Michael Polydorus. And essentially this character was, you know, loosely based on him, and he sued him over this likeness really? in the movie. He was very upset by it. And believe it or not, a judge didn't rule in his favor. He ruled in the favor of the movie that it was like a fictional character and that, um, you know, it would be infringing on uh, creative rights to, you know, uh, essentially be able to sue somebody over that, which I find really interesting because when you see a lot of, you know, um, credit scenes roll at the end of movies these days, you always see that sort of thing. Like the characters in this movie are entirely fictionalized. Any resemblance to any real life people is purely, you know, coincidental, whatever. And there's an interview from a few years back where they like reunited, I think most of, if not all the cast of yeah, the, uh, the Sandlot, along with um, the director, David Evans. And they brought up that question and he's like, he kind of says in the interview, he's like, I don't know what he's talking about, you know, outside of like, you know, the kids in this movie are just like 
you know, purely coincidental, like kind of like that, that shtick. But then when you go read the thing, it's like, wow, like the guy was supplying to the court pictures of the kid in the movie and pictures of him as a little kid. And he's got like the same style of glasses, like the same <laughs> almost exact shirt on, you know, his name is literally used. Like it's like Mike Polydorus versus Michael Polydorus or whatever the thing is. Um, um, and like, I think they even called him something like squints as a kid. It, it was like, if there was ever a case for somebody having used your likeness in a thing, I think it was this. So I'm not <laughs> sure the judge got it right, to be honest with you. But, you know, I think it might have been a Hollywood judge. I don't know. Might have set a bad precedent for movies going forward, you know. <laughs> so, yeah. um, so there's a little bit of your, like, inside baseball. Knock, knock, knock. <laughs> um, <laughs> Insert car crash sound. <laughs> yes, yeah, exactly. Um, you know, for the thing. So let's, let's, let's jump in on this this movie so i would start off by saying i was so happy that this did get picked by the three people who picked it because i love this movie i loved it as a kid i had the vhs i probably wore the vhs out i was like my family was a baseball family Mm -hmm. um and it was an interesting baseball family because there was sort of a division where half of them were mets fans and half of them were yankees fans and so it was always like this like contrarian sort of baseball family but um grew up playing little league so like you know to watch a movie like the sandlot you saw yourself in it you know what i yeah. mean because like this was the type of stuff that like me and my buddies would head over you know like i lived through the woods from our park now given it wasn't a sandlot field but it was like a you know, nicer park or whatever but we would go you know through the woods to the park hit a bunch of baseballs until a game came along and kicked us off the field you know whatever the case was played all through little league played in middle school uh, and that ended it after <laughs> after yeah. middle school for me. But, um, you know, it, it was just like pure Americana. It's how you grew up. You know, like everything about this movie felt like, even though it was like a depiction of the 60s, felt like growing up when I was growing up as a yeah. kid in the 80s. You know what I mean? So I'm thinking about it this morning. So I watched it this morning, believe me. Like, like put my daughter on the bus and put, put it on. Nice. Um, and, uh, you know. Did you end up VPNing it? No, no. I had it on my computer and I watched it from my computer. <laughs> I was trying to set Michael up with NordVPN, your VPN choice for accessing <laughs> great content in other countries. Because for some reason, the rights went off of Disney in America and jumped over to Disney in, in the UK. So you can watch Sandlot on Disney Plus right now, assuming that you could VPN or something, or assuming you live in the UK, you know, for our international listener or two (laughs) so i'm sitting there and i'm watching this movie and you know it it brought me back to a time where before cell phones where we would just that's what we would do we'd get on our bikes we'd ride over to the ball field and play and it's also kind of in the same sort of vein as the mighty ducks where it makes you want to play baseball like It just makes you want to go out there, just have a catch with your friends and hit the ball around and have some laughs and trash talk and, you know, all that kind of stuff. And it it really was a very tenderhearted, like sweet movie with really relatable characters and really relatable, like narrative. You know, if I have any gripe about the movie, and it's a minor gripe, the engineering it would have taken to build that erector set <laughs> and that vacuum contraption would have taken more than a day or two. <laughs> well, so here's what's funny. So I actually watched this movie with Zoe, um, which is like, of course, why wouldn't I? 
Um, and I had intended to try and get from her like a little like mini review that I could share with everybody. So depending if I've got time, maybe I'll, I'll, uh, you know, record that and like insert it here. If she'd like to sit down and talk with me about it. Office 30 listeners, this is Pete, and I am joined by another really good friend of mine, and her name is Zoe. Hi, Zoe. Hi. Do you want to tell the listeners who you are to me? Yeah, so I am Pete's daughter, Zoe. I've talked about you on uh, the podcast a lot before, you know. Really? Yes. <laughs> and you've got, uh, you've got kind of an important uh, thing coming up here this week. What's oh, going yes. on with that? It's my birthday on Saturday. What? Oh my gosh. Well, how old are you turning? Ten. How did that happen? I don't know. <laughs> you know, the problem with every time you turn a new decade is so do I. So when you're 10, I'm 40. When you're 20, I'm 50. That's true. When you're 30, I'm 60. That's so old, Zoe. What happened? <laughs> don't go too far yet. All right. Well, so here's the thing, right? You and I watched a movie this week, and uh, I think we had a pretty good time watching it. What was the movie we watched? Sandlot. Yeah. So why don't you tell me and tell the listeners, what did you think about Sandlot? I liked it, especially the part where, like, the boy, like, tells a story about how the the dog was, like, fed all, like, this whole stuff. <laughs> and then... Like he, like, he turned into, like, this beast. I think the stuff was people, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, it was people. <laughs> and then, like, the police officers were trying to do something because, like, there was, like, he was just, like, eating, like, all these people. So he, they sent him with this dry, and then now they, like, hit the ball into the fence where the beast is. Now they have to get it back, but, like, <laughs> they're worried that the beast is going to eat them. So you and I know a thing about hitting balls over the fence, right? Yes. <laughs> now, the difference, I think, is with you and I, we tend to knock the ball over the fence and then I have to go, like, unlock the fence and go get it. But we don't have a beast waiting for us on yeah. the other side. <laughs> we have poison ivy. Poison ivy, which is which is arguably as bad, if not worse, than, than I think the beast turns out. What do you think? Yeah. <laughs> So, so like, let me ask you this. Who would you say is, like, your favorite character in the movie? Um, I like Benny Rodriguez because, like, he's, like, very brave and, like, he offers to, like, go over and, like, help that boy, like... Smalls? Yeah, Smalls. Because, <laughs> like, um, all the other kids always tease him and say he's not good and stuff, but... Benny, he doesn't do that. He, like, he believed him, in him, and he, like, uh, he kind of, like, he gives him something. He gives him a chance to, like, show that he's not a small little boy. Like, he's, he's someone who's isn't given a chance, but should be because, well, yeah. Yeah, no, I think that makes total sense. Yeah, I think I always, I think I think Benny in some ways is 
the hero of the movie, even though yeah. Scotty Smalls is kind of the main character. I think everybody really looks up to Benny. And I think it's like, you know, portrayed even in the end with him sort of being like the all-star baseball player, right? Yeah, yeah that's pretty cool. So you're not a big baseball person. You know, we haven't really like indoctrinated you on baseball as yeah. much as I was when I was a kid. So like, you know, I, I'm trying to think if you've ever seen any other baseball movies or things like that. So like, well, what did you think of, of the sport? And what did you think of it like as portrayed in this movie? I actually really enjoyed it because I like how they were showing like the perspective of how much like baseball was like important to them. It wasn't just like, ooh, we're going to play baseball today. How fun. It was It was almost like baseball was their life. Like, they would yeah, play definitely. it every single day, no matter what. 100%. And then, like, also, like, like you said, I haven't seen a lot of, like, baseball movies and stuff. But I think I really liked it because it showed me that baseball isn't just baseball. It's a game where players hit balls and they run the bases and it has all this stuff that I never thought baseball had. <laughs> yeah, I, I agree. Uh, so, like, does it like give you an interest in baseball? Like, are you kind of, like, itchy to play now? Or do you think you understand it a little better after seeing this movie? Yeah, I think I understand it a little bit better. Um, I would play it a few times. I'm still not, like, oh, wow, I need to play this every day. But I will play it, like, a few times. So, like, uh, it, you, you do know some of the, like, big baseball teams out there in the world? Like, who would be yeah. your team, you think? Mm, I'm not sure. Maybe, like, the, like, New York team or something. Well, we got two. There's the Mets and the Yankees. Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's the an Yankees important distinction. Those. Yankees, huh? All right, you hear that, Boston fans? I don't know. <laughs> we got Boston's another Yankee really convert. Good too. Boston's very good, too. Now, you know, we're in like Philly's country here, so like yeah. it's uh it's like at some point you might get uh, pulled into that whole yeah, uh Philly. spectrum too. Yeah. <laughs> so, what was like do you think there was like a main lesson or takeaway or like what was your takeaway from this movie? So, I think it really teaches you that for Stoddy, I think even if you're like just a small boy and other people don't think you're important, you're you are you shouldn't listen to them like listen to yourself who you think you are and then like for the other kids like don't doubt someone when maybe they can be really good or for benny like being brave is a very good thing to do like like for your other friends for instance when he was going to get that ball he was doing that for Benny. I mean, for uh, Stoddy. Like, he wasn't doing that for himself. He was doing it for Stoddy. And I think that really shows that friendship can, like, really give you, like, bravery and, like, yeah. So, let me ask you this. Uh, did the movie remind you of, like, any other movies you like or any other stories it you like? It reminded me of um, this other movie I watched. Uh, I forget what it's called. It's about like these. Does women. that sound like the father or what? <laughs> you have to understand when I do this podcast, I'm constantly going, oh, what was the name of that movie? What was the name of that actor? So I'm glad I've passed that gene on to you. <laughs> it was about these women and who were doing this uh, baseball game 
and um oh a league of their own yes a league of their own yes so uh, that was another one we did for this podcast and you you watched it along with me yes that's actually a really good comparison i forgot that you watched that with me yeah (laughs) i think they are very similar because it shows how sometimes like underdogs can rise up and be like heroes like Stardy was just a small like kid but then he like really good shots and he grew up to be like a like commentator and it's about all the 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 weight of their own is about like all these women who have never gotten a chance to play baseball because uh i forget which wars during uh, world war Two. Um, yeah world war Two, and um all the all the men and stuff they're all fighting in the war so their women are going to play for them um and i think it's a really good lesson to know that there's not only there's not just one gender or something that can do something like anyone who wants to do something can do that yeah i think that's an excellent excellent uh comparison uh yeah you, you kind of uh snuck that one in on me there because i was trying to think about like what's some other movies that might make sense for you that are in like a similar vein of this and like wow you pulled that one out that was really good <laughs> so so let me ask you this and i got two more questions for you so so thinking about the movie on the whole is this a movie you'd watch again like if you had to give yes. it like let's say like on a scale of one to ten like where do you think this movie lands for you um i think a 10. A 10. Wow. All right. So it was good, huh? Uh, all right. So last question, because, you know, this movie, the whole thing is sparked off by Scotty taking his dad's, you know, prized Babe Ruth baseball and bringing it out there. And, and then everything that's crazy, per you know, kind of follows in suit. So if it were you, what kind of strange, crazy collectible object I've got here in my uh, my collectibles den? Do you uh, think would be the uh, the thing that would would spark a story for you? <laughs> I think maybe like one of like your like Legos or something. <laughs> Steal my Lego. <laughs> like if I was like having like a play date with someone, they really liked Legos and they lost like all of their Lego sets, I'd bring over yours, take it apart, and then oh, no. build it. <laughs> <laughs> but then we realized that we don't know how. <laughs> oh my goodness. Well, I'm going to have to keep a close watch on my Legos, it sounds like. All right. Well, thank you, Zoe. Do you think maybe you'll uh, join us again for another episode? Yes. Awesome. Definitely. All right. Well, say goodbye to the uh, listeners out there for me. Bye-bye. All right, back to the regular show. But, um, you know, even she said when, like, the vacuums, like, exploded, she's like, she's like, why would those blow up like that? Like, why don't they just, she's like, why don't they just turn the power off or something like that? I'm like, that's an excellent question that I never thought of as a kid. Like, you just assume that like the things got pinched shut, that the things are going to like explode when in reality, it doesn't make any sense. They probably would have just like shut down, you know, or whatever. But like, like the fact that none of them thought to like flip out like a switch or like unplug them and like, things like have a like a violent like gasoline like explosion in their, in their a couple of propane tanks just blew up exactly but- yeah no there is some funny things like that i think that's like the the little bit larger than life that kind of i think would have, i i think there's portions of that movie that like appeal 
to a little kid, the little kid's sensibility to how yeah. the world works. Um, you know, like she was sort of asking me about like she she got spoiled. Thanks, Ange, about the um, the beast being just the neighbor's like perfectly fine dog um, <laughs> ahead of watching the movie. And so I, uh, I, she, you know, she was asking, she's like, well, why, why do they keep like, like, why are they so afraid of it? Why do they keep seeing it as like this like gigantic, scary dog? And I was like, well, the movie kind of like does this like nice and kind of like a fun thing of depicting the world through children's eyes. And I said, yeah. children, I said, yourself included sometimes tend to see things like in like a larger than life kind of way, kind of like a, you know, bigger sort of fashion. Um, and I said, especially, you know, this movie's about legends and that's kind of like one of the main things is like these kids conflating, like how big and, and like, you know, larger than life Babe Ruth is. And in this like sort of ghost story that's been cooked up as a local legend in this town about this dog, which can only have been cooked up in the past X number of years because the dog's not going to live, you know, probably more than like a well, dozen they, years. They said the dog lived to 199 in dog years. So, yeah, how many? Dog years. <laughs> <laughs> but, like, you know, given like they had this story where it was like in black and white in like the olden days and, you know, it moved in as a junkyard dog and it was like raised on like, you know, eating human flesh. And, you know, it's like the type of stories kids would tell each other, like at a sleepover or something like that. So, so that it's means fun to depict it in that fashion. And I love, love love especially if you can see something behind the scenes the gigantic puppet they made to do all those things (laughs) it's so funny it walks so stiff and the reason it walks so stiff and the way it looks so weird is because it's basically one of those like costume horses where like there's a person in the front that are the first front two legs and there's a person bent over in the back that's the back two legs so that's why it just kind of like walks like 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 stiff legged (laughs) but it's also wonderful because it's like that cheap quality goes like that much further to making it like you know like that wonderful childhood sort of way of thinking charm yeah you know so just just for reference a dog that lives to 199 in dog years lives to 28 years old (laughs) no way wow that dog did have a long life those like because that's like a bull mastiff or something like that that oh yeah those things usually don't last terribly long so fun fact about hercules there's Five Hercules is in this movie. Oh, really? Uh, there's two main dogs that they used for like most of like the like regular capture of it, but essentially because those dogs are so big and heavy that it requires during that scene where Benny the Jet is running away from it, the dog to be chasing him like a ton. Essentially, they said like the dog kept like running and it would run like 10, 20 feet and then like tired. down for a half an hour. <laughs> so they had to have five different dogs just to keep the shooting schedule going, just to keep the ability to have dogs running after them. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah. So, so, you know, we could go top to bottom on all the, ca- the like the kids in the movie. But I want to just particularly point out um, two characters in the movie. One is Dennis Leary, who plays uh, Smalls' stepdad. And it's yeah. such a it's such a departure for a role for Dennis Leary. Like, you know, I wish he had a little more screen time so they could have fleshed out his character a little bit. Cause he like, he doesn't play like, you know, Dennis Leary from, uh, you, know, <laughs> no, yeah. you know, whatever, you know, any other vulgar thing that he does. And he's actually kind of like a decent dude in a way. And I remember even as a kid and, you know, knowing he was coming in this movie, he's like, when James Earl Jones shows up, like even as a kid, it's like, wow, that's James <laughs> Earl Jones. Like that's like the reverence of that. And he plays such a nice role. What's interesting about it is the way that they sort of 
portray it. Like if I look at it now from a 2023 lens of like, you know, he was probably playing in the Negro baseball leagues. He wasn't playing yeah. in, in, you know, Babe Ruth's league. So here's a little backstory that I looked up into Mr. Myrtle because this character has confused me and it's been a sticking point since my childhood until today when I finally had the impetus to look look up this character. You know, they they kind of make mention through the movie of several different um you know like Yankees players over time and things like this. And so you're almost led to believe that he could be one of these players. And very specifically, they mention at a point Hank Aaron. And so you know, for those who might not know, this is a, a black, you know, a baseball player that was an incredible baseball player back in this time period and would have made sense for at least, you know, being in like, you know, if not necessarily playing on the Yankees, would have at least, you know, been playing against the Yankees. And so could conceivably have known like some of these um, people like Babe Ruth and murderers players. Um, and so I for years from like the very first time I saw this movie thought that Mr. Myrtle was Hank Aaron, but for some reason he had like changed his name and was in hiding. So like people wouldn't like bother him. But then like at some point, like years ago, I had like looked it up and like Hank Aaron, I think wasn't blind. So I was like, well, that doesn't, you know, add up. And so the backstory and the reasoning for this is he's basically just like an, like an imaginary character. He, he doesn't exist on the Yankees team. He never did. But, um, they didn't know who they were casting for this. They were like, you know, swinging around. They were getting really close to the movie, being like ready to go for filming. And they were trying to figure out like, who are we going to cast for this thing? And somebody in the room brought up like, well, <laughs> what about um, James Earl Jones? And they're like, we would never get James Earl Jones. He wouldn't do this. And they are like, well, like, what's the harm in trying? And they put it out there and he loved the idea of the script and the movie. And so he came and joined it. Wow. Um, and so uh, that's where they kind of then had to change this character. But like they sort of say, like the character was not written as a black player. So it's kind of interesting that they had to write him in, especially with the timing of all this sort of thing essentially as a Negro League player. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? And so, um, you know, this movie... Another thing I was never quite able to put my thumb on, uh, the, the timing of this movie is supposed to play, take place during like 1962. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, this is a period of time where there's a lot of like upheaval still going on about um, Jim Crow and things like that. So it is an interesting, you know, depiction and portrayal of this character being in this movie. And it could explain why a lot of the neighbor kids, you know, don't know him or like you know like wouldn't you know approach this guy or things like that so it is kind of an interesting um bit of insight into this character i think we're probably digging a little deeper than (laughs) was ever intended for the character but um it it sort of captured my imagination that when he showed up um as a kid um and they kind of do it you know like another fun scene when um benny has the the dream of babe ruth and I forget the the actor's name, but he he plays like a like pretty good Babe Ruth when he comes in and talks to him. You know, you get that like you know like that perfect. This movie has so many quotable yes. things, but you get that one quote. You know, like heroes get remembered, but legends never die. Follow your heart, kid, and you'll never go wrong. You know, and like there's just like such great quotes like that that uh, pop up throughout this. But I remember like even in high school, like friends quoting that at certain random <laughs> times or things like that. Um, so it was kind of cool that they did depict those, but to bring that back a- around to, you know, to Dennis Leary and also, um, 
to Miriam from uh, from uh, 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 <laughs> Indiana Jones. Um, you know, kind of two like little bit parts, but they both did really good job with like the couple of minutes that they had to to be those characters. Yeah. Um, and I thought it was a really cool and interesting depiction of '60s parents. Yeah, you know, this is a family that I forget if they said if if they're divorced or if well, the father she, died. They said the father died, and this is his stepfather. Which, like, yeah. but even still, like, even to have that in a you know movie in the '90s, like that wasn't a common thing you would see for again a kids' movie per se. Yeah, um, and it is like a smaller subplot, but it's a charming one that essentially the son hasn't bonded really with his stepdad yet. He's still mm-hmm. calling him by his first name. And they bond over like the you know prototypical like dad and father having catch, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Um, and it, you know, it, it, I like you said, I kind of wish there was some more scenes like you know with, with like you know maybe when he does finally confront him about the fact that he stole the baseball. But I also really like how they pay it off with him like unwrapping it and going like, "Wow," you know, like <laughs> like kind of just being blown away by like what he has there and sort of like the. Um, narration that guides you through the end of the mm-hmm. film there. So, like, I say it'd be interesting, but in another way, I kind of like the way that they did that. You know what I mean? Um, I, I, honestly, and I'm, I'm not saying this movie is a perfect film by any stretch, but I also have a hard time, like, to your point, like, finding flaw. Yeah, like, I agree. It's not a perfect film, but it's almost a perfect kids' film or, like, family film in a way. Like, you know, sort of things like, Everybody can just get behind it, and even if there's little, little you know, flaws here and there, you kind of like don't even care. You look past it, and you just kind of like enjoy the the charm of the movie, yeah. and and all of that which goes along with it. But now, I think this movie, in that vein, like it just can live forever that way. You know, yeah. like I think on like a lot of kids' movies that you and I would have seen as a kid, you know, they might be like dated to certain particular references and things like that. This is a movie that like I could show Zoe and then she could show her kids when they grew up and it'll yeah. still feel like the same movie. You know what I yeah. mean? Um, so I thought that was pretty cool. Um, there was two oddities that I, that I did see. And one, I, I shouldn't say one is an oddity. The one oddity I felt like I kept seeing, and I couldn't tell if this was, because of the format that I was watching the movie in now, or if this was like in the original movie, did you notice that there was a lot of scenes as shot where the characters were like kind of skewed as if they were sort of shooting on like a wide angle lens and it was like bending like the shape of the character? A little bit. Yes. You know what I noticed particularly the 4th of July scene. Yeah. There's a few scenes and I was trying to figure out why or what was happening, you know, outside of like, you know, just to having being a photographer, and videographer myself like it tends to happen when you shoot on like a really wide angle lens and so where or or an anamorphic lens right Uh, but like as if like your average joe would see this on like the wide lens on like their iphone that like when you get really wide and you get up close to your subject you'll start seeing especially people the further out on the edges of the lens they start to sort of like bend and yes yeah um and so you kind of get like these distorted you know sort of human shapes so the only thing i can think of is that some of the like especially you see this like happen like when they're inside the house things like that that they were just shooting in close quarters and they were forced to use a really wide lens but it didn't feel like a wide lens always 
I don't know. It really kind of was like messing with me on a few scenes. So it might just also be like the 4K upscale, you know? I, I think it's a combination of, you know, maybe shooting anamorphic or shooting in a wide angle lens because they wanted to fit all the kids in the frame in a lot of these shots. Yeah. And you might not be able to, even with like an 18 millimeter, you may not be able to get that wide, but you might need to go something, something really, you know, and just go with it. Um, yeah, I noticed it a little bit too, especially in the 4th of July scene when you're like, could you see how they, you can kind of tell where they sort of, keyed in the fireworks above them kind of thing yeah. and you know there were certain shots where like where like one kid is standing alone and they might have just shot like you know inserts of them on these wide b- backdrops to kind of fill in the frame and yeah. sit together who knows um i think the other thing too is they were shooting up towards the kids a lot which was, yeah. I think was an interesting choice you know very often and here's some free photo advice for all you out there in listener land one of the first things i teach people about photographing kids is don't photograph them from your height. Get down to their height. And it looks a lot more natural then. So I think, you know, they were going for something to, you know, in a way make these kids also feel a little larger than life. So they're kind of doing hero shots, which is where you get lower and shoot up at your subject. And you tend, especially on wide angle lenses, get more distortion from shooting from low angles like that as well. So it could be like, you know, a technical combo of sort of all of the above happening there. Wide angle lens, shooting from a low angle at a close subject, you know, trying to make them look bigger. Um, But... It, it, the distortion was kind of messing with me a little bit. So if they ever do like a remastered version of this film, I'd love to see them do a bit of perspective correction on that. Cause it was kind of tripping me up as I was watching last night. I don't know your average viewer would notice it, but it was messing with me pretty bad. So, you know, one thing we haven't talked about is Wendy peppercorn. Oh, so this was my second sticking point. Yes. So let's discuss okay. good old Wendy. Um, I, the two or three scenes that we see her in, I love the scenes. I think she's, you know, she would play it exactly how a teenage girl would play that sort of, you know, reaction to it. What I didn't realize is she's also the love interest in one of my other favorite movies, Pleasantville. Yes. I, yeah. I love that movie. Um <laughs> Now, what are your sticking points about Wendy Peppercorn? I'm curious. Well, the only sticking point is, as usual, through like the 2023 prism, it's a little problematic that essentially this kid like assaulted her. (laughs) That said, like, you know, I think the movie does it in kind of like a charming enough way, particularly sort of like. The fact that, like, within moments of it happening and her kicking them, you know, she, you pervert, she drags them out and kicks them all out and all this. But then, you know, she sort of grins at him, smiling and waving at him. And then the movie, like, does its thing at the end where it's saying where everybody ended up and they go on to marry and have nine kids. (laughs) So, you know, I think it's still a little bit of like the male gaze at like how this would happen. I don't know how realistic that would be to real life were this to happen. Um, That said, I, it's it's almost charming enough that it still gets by without feeling too you know iffy in in 2023 yeah. compared to some other things we've seen but i feel like you know if there's one thing that becomes suspect now in our current culture it has to be that that said like i said i think it's charming i think it um the moment is fine i think it's true to life in that all of us at that age had crushes on girls and, mm-hmm. and, you know, dreamed about like, you know, how, how, you know, like, especially like kids like this is like, you're, you're always too nervous to like go up to a girl and just be like, Hey, like, would you want to go out sometime? You know, their age difference. Um, I saw them talking about it. They originally were thinking about doing the kids in this movie as eight or nine year olds. And 
they're more like I, I think they're like production. 12 13 ish i felt like yes yeah and so as they were heading towards production they just realized that like in the movie and like to make the movie it was just gonna be too problematic so they decided to do like kind of like young teenage kids so like Mm -hmm. you know around 13 ish so it's completely conceivable that like a 13 year old would have a crush on like let's say like a 16 16 or 18 year old that's working um as the local lifeguard that summer uh but also not in a million years want to just go up to them and be like, Hey, you know, <laughs> especially some of these dorky kids <laughs> in this movie. Um, so I think it's very realistic in how it would portray a kid sort of like thinking about like an older girl or slightly older girl that he'd have a crush on in that. Mm-hmm. So I, I think that there's a, an aspect of charming realism that, that meets with that. And Overall, I think it's harmless enough that it's like it's passable, you know, now probably. Mm -hmm. But I could see that being like, you know, like if somebody saw this fresh in 2023, they'd be like, what the heck, you know, sort of thing. (laughs) So so I I get both sides of that equation, but I I understand uh, the allure of the Wendy Peppercorn. (laughs) And uh, again, fun fact, this was also completely based on the director's real life like him and several friends like had this one girl in their town i think they called her bunny i I don't remember if that was her real name i I, this was like i was going through like some of like the fun fact stuff and i I just don't remember what the thing is so i might have that slightly wrong but i think they called her bunny and like several of them like all had like this crush on her and she also was like the red bathing suit wearing lifeguard at the at the um or maybe track. Like, she wore a red bathing suit so like it's again like a one-to-one from like his childhood and sort of like remembering like that you know mm-hmm. between him and friends so that's where we get wendy peppercorn from. <laughs> <laughs> but you know overall like if you haven't seen this movie or like if you haven't shown this movie to your kids you should watch this movie with their kids. There's literally one curse in the whole movie. And uh, you know what? I, I have to say there is more than one, but it depends on what you consider a curse in a vein. I would say that this is extremely similar to um, like a Christmas story, which also I like always seem to forget has kind of some bad language at points. And it's like, you know, Zoe's old enough now where like, I don't mind if she knows those sort of words, cause she's probably hearing that or worse in, in class at school. But you know, Kara was around for like a little portion of it. And, you know, like when they're like, damn it or shit or curse, I'm like, I'm like, oh, you know, like maybe (laughs) not the best thing in front of the six year old. And there was a little bit more of that than I remember. But I think that's also true to form for like young teenage kids, like, you know, that know these curse words that know they can't dare use them at home in front of their parents because they can get their wash mouth out with with soap. But who amongst their friends are like, you know, cursing like a sailor because it's Mm -hmm. like the, you know, fun thing to do. (laughs) Yeah. So overall, you know, I really enjoyed this movie. I'm I'm so happy with to watch it. I haven't watched this movie in forever. So it was nice to kind of go back and reminisce and just enjoy that time because it like, it made me remember like not having a cell phone, just playing yeah. with your friends and just having a good time. Uh, you know, those, those times are lost now by a lot of kids. And I feel like this is going to sound, I'm old and farty, but like, <laughs> I, I, I just, you know, I enjoyed that whole thing. Um, definitely well worth it. Glad we got to pick this one. And, you know, it was, it was fun. So now, let's talk about our list of movies you have posted here for May. And for May of 1993, we've got four movies on the docket here. Uh, the first one is Dave. I don't know if you remember Dave, but Dave was, I do. <laughs> uh, you know, Kevin Klein film. Then there is 
Dragon, the Bruce Lee story, which is a fantastic movie. I would love to do this one. Then we have the original Super Mario Brothers, the one with uh, John Lake Wazamo, right? Yep. Oh, that they're going to pick this one. <laughs> I hate this movie. And funny enough, we have the fourth movie is Cliffhanger, which they just announced is going to be so a sequel. Just, <laughs> I have to say before, and I'll let you explain why this is funny for us for the day, but I was going through the movies, and these are by no means the top four movies. I actually skipped several movies that I just had zero interest, and in. I felt you'd have zero interest. So I, I was grabbing these from a little bit all over the place in the uh, in the thing. But please explain why the cliffhanger is is relevant here today. <laughs> so they literally just announced yesterday that uh, they're making a cliffhanger sequel with Sylvester Stallone, and Pete and I are both like, how? <laughs> <laughs> he's like how he's is why and i said to mike i said the next this movie had better be called cliff dangler because <laughs> that's the only thing i can think of with that guy at that age <laughs> yeah it's uh who knows but uh yeah so that's our list we got dave cliffhanger dragon the Lee story and the awful super mario brothers live action film <laughs> yeah so, so we'll throw that on a poll i'll put that up actually uh today and let the uh the clock start ticking on it because we're already on uh, may um, 2nd here yeah. as we're recording so um, you know but, uh, uh, let us know what you guys think for sure <laughs> yeah totally and you know if you want to chat with us you can reach out with us on our social media channels like box office three zero at facebook and twitter box office t-h-i-r-t-y on instagram you can go to our website boxoffice 30.com you can go to our t public store we always promote it we always say we're gonna buy our own stuff for ourselves and we never do <laughs> but it's there if you want something do you like stuff we're, we're happy to do it we're happy to you know share some content with you um we also want to thank Jason and Mickey over the Retro Network and all the people of the Retro Network. You know, there's a lot of great content from wrestling podcasts to comic books to VHS references. I don't know. All kind of, bunch. Yeah, <laughs> you it. There's all kinds of good stuff. Um, but listen, you know, as always, you know, you're killing me, Smalls. You know, I was remiss to get out of this podcast without bringing it up because I call Kara Smalls. That's my nickname for her. And, and absolutely. You're killing me, Smalls. <laughs> Bye, everybody. Bye, friends. This has been a presentation of the Retro Network.